just before we went live to air, I sent a text to Cedarfield, a cluggage, and Andy McCrane. I just said, boys, good luck. So they had no idea who we were picking. And look, it was a complete and utter surprise to him and to Mike and Sandy, his parents, because they had no idea. Hi, everyone. My name's Julian Trantino, and I'm from the Don's Digital team. While we wait for footy to return, we're pleased to bring you a five-part series with Adrian Dodoro, the club's GM of Liston Recruiting. Leading the club's recruiting for 22 years, Adrian has a wealth of draft stories that he'll be sharing exclusively on the podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Well, Adrian, 2016 was the first year that Essendon had a number one selection. But before we touch on that, just the year in general and the lead up to that draft was Wush's first year at the club. Uh, The club had finished on the bottom of the ladder. It was a year like no other, but there were so many positives. Can you talk about those positives? Yeah, I, look, I, it goes down as probably one of my most enjoyable years at foot, in football. Um, and given what we'd been through as a club um, the previous you know, few years uh, with the suspensions and, and what have you and the doom and gloom around the club, I think one thing that um, John Walsfold will always be uh, recognised for and thanked by every Essendon person was for his contribution in that year. He came in and just made uh, everyone feel valued that was there and, and lifted our spirits and, and made it such an enjoyable year. Now, you can say, yeah, but you finished on the bottom of the ladder. Um, but it certainly didn't feel like that. Each week was a celebration of our club. Uh, losing was was difficult, but there was always something out of every game that we got out of that. And knowing that we had a number of boys suspended, they're probably overseas and they were probably, you know, watching um, via the internet. I think we made a lot of people proud in that particular year and a lot of credit had to go to, to Wusher for what he did that year. And if you remember correctly, um, you know, we beat Melbourne in round two uh, when everyone said that we wouldn't win a game of football. Um, and if you go back and watch the video of that game to see Parrish and to see Zach Merritt and Joey Danaher and Tipper and all these boys that probably accelerated their careers um, and then towards the end of the year uh, we won I think two of the last three games of that season and and the feeling that the boys just wanted to keep playing now normally when a team finishes on the bottom of the ladder um, they want the season to end you know they want it to uh, you know let's get this over and done with but our boys were just they were just embracing every minute loved every minute of it and had a lot to do with uh with what Wusher and his coaching staff had created around the club that year. And I think we ended up beating Carlton that last game and that was a fabulous way to end the year. But, um, yeah, from a, a, a terrible set of circumstances, um, it ended up being a quite enjoyable year and one that we got a lot out of um, to set us up going forward. Yeah, it was a real turning point indeed. And then you headed into that draft with pick one, um, uncharted waters for you, for the club. Uh, you never had that before. How did it feel going into that draft? Uh, it was certainly a strange feeling uh, and hopefully one that we and, – and, and look, at, at the, at, it's great to be in the position where you can pick the best player or hopefully the best the number one player in a draft. Hopefully it never happens ever again unless we trade for a, for a number one pick. But um, it was certainly different. There's no doubt that the spotlight um, centres around your football club and there's no doubt we wanted to milk it for everything that, that, that it was worth because – you know, we needed to put our club in a positive light. We needed to shine some positivity um, to, to our fans out there. And 
Um, you know, obviously we ended up taking Andy with our first pick and, you know, he's been uh, won the rising star in his first year at the club. You can't ask for much more than that and he's developing into a great midfielder for us as we speak. Um, and he's, he's going to be a terrific player for a long time to come. Well, speaking of spotlight, you really kept the media guessing in that year. It wasn't a clear-cut <laughs> number one selection. There was uh, McCluggage was in the conversation, uh, Tim Taranto, Setterfield, McGrath. I believe you didn't even tell McGrath before the draft had started that you were going to take him. Was that the case? Yeah, no, 100% right. What we, one thing that we wanted to do as a club is you know stay true to our, our own values, but yeah, normally you know who the number one pick's going to be going in and, and then there's a, a cascade of everyone knowing uh, what the selections are. We thought, no, we're not going to do that. Um, but if truth be known, Andy was probably the number one pick uh, from a long way out. Um, Hugh McCluggage certainly was a player that made us think long and hard and, you know, you couldn't have gone wrong taking either one of those boys. We liked Will Setterfield at the time and people forget that Will's had a knee injury um, a pretty severe knee injury since then. We haven't seen the best of him, but he's certainly a good player. And then you had Tim Taranto, who ended up being a very good player as well. So there were some really good players to pick from. Um, but for us, Andy stood out, um, and he stood out for a number of reasons. We did our homework, and, and um, you know, once we met him and his family and, and knew what he could offer our club, then the decision was difficult, but a, a decision that we're very, very happy uh, that we've made. Do you know how Andy felt leading into that? I mean, with the uncertainty, you could either be staying in Melbourne at uh, pick one or you could be off to Brisbane with pick two. Do you know how he, how he went through that period? Well, I remember post-draft, we had a um, Xavier Campbell organised uh, uh, a room at the SCG where we celebrated the, the club's first ever number one uh, draft pick and you know we had one of our sponsors provide a bottle of Grange which was fantastic and but I looked at Andy and he was absolutely stuffed he was <laughs> wiped out the the emotion of the day had got to him and I, I he just said I'm, I'm I'm stuffed I'm emotionally shot because he had no idea and, and what I did probably just before we went live to air I sent a text to um, Setterfield McCluggage and. Andy McCran, I just said, boys, good luck. Uh, don't know how this is going to go, but uh, you'll find out in about 10 minutes. <laughs> so they had no idea who we were picking. And I think it was good for them, for everyone, and for the integrity of the draft as well. But, um, yeah, and then we called Andy out. And, he was, and, look, it was a complete and utter surprise to him uh, and to Mike and Sandy, his parents, because they had no idea. And uh, it, I think it's something that we did – really well and I think it added to uh, a very, very special moment for his life and his career. Well, you, you were faced with a tough decision with so much talent there at pick one but what was it that sort of, I guess, cemented in your minds that Andy McGrath was was the man for pick one? Yeah, look, Andy brings a bit of everything. He, he brings a bit of everything to your football club. Um, firstly, the person, the quality. Um, you know, when we went out to Brighton Grammar and spoke to his his teachers, uh, Rob Shaw, actually, uh, you know, in his role out there as, you know, I think he's director of football or, or whatever, whatever it was. Uh, sorry, Shorey, I forgot what your title was. Um, yeah, everyone, they couldn't speak highly enough. Like, he was the captain of the school, the captain of the footy team. He had more um, accolades and, you know, on his uh, blazer than, 
you know, a World War II veteran. Like, I couldn't believe it. I think he, he was in the choir. He was a school captain. He was the athletics captain. It was just amazing. And um, he was a leader of the school and it stood out quite evident. And then his football talent. Well, for a, guy, a kid that, you know, family originated from Canada, um, to come out here uh, and take up the sport is, is, a, is a great story. And the game that stood out for me was the game where he played on Ben Ainsworth. It was Vic Metro versus Vic Country. And he played, and, and Ainsworth was an absolute gun for, for Country. And he went and played on him and he played a defensive game. And, and, and he, you know, he, he did a great job on him, but his offensive work was outstanding. Um, and that was really special. And then a few weeks later, we, we, you know, we and a lot of other clubs obviously would have got in contact with uh, Ryan O'Connor at, uh, at Sandy Dragons. And you know, we said, can you put this kid in the midfield and see what he's got? And they had an abundance of talent. Obviously, we set a field in Toronto running around and, uh, and, and Florent as well. So they had a lot of players that could go through their midfield. But once they put Andy in there, you could just see that he had midfield craft and he had the ability to change angles really easily. Great agility, great speed. Um, and, and a player that we thought, well, you know what? He potentially one day could captain our football club. Mm. So why not make the, the, the decision to take him? And, and we did. Well, it's a, it's a big compliment. And like you mentioned, we saw him move into the midfield there in his, his last year with Sandingham Dragons and absolutely tore it up after a pretty good form at halfback as well before that. But... Was the plan all along to to see him thrive in midfield? Because we are starting to see that now that he's he's moved there and he's he's really having a big influence. Yeah, look, and then that was one of the key decisions to draft him. If we thought he was just going to be a, a half back, we probably wouldn't. Have, we would have probably taken Hume Cluggage. Um, but we felt that um, he had the game to become an elite midfielder, uh, and we 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 hold that view. And if you see his game last year in the final against West Coast, where he stood up. On the on on the big stage in a very hostile environment, you know we lost the game. You know got beaten fairly uh, resounding in the end. But you walk out and you say, at least you know McGrath's going to be a bloody good player for the football club going forward. Um, and his preseason form this year has been outstanding as a midfielder. Uh, he adds a defensive element to our midfield, but he also can attack. So Andy's got the ability to play a number of different roles as a mid. He not only he can play as an outside mid and he can play as an inside mid. You know, he can play, he can, he can run with a, an opposition player, but he can also offer you attacking transition running. So there's a number of components to his game that we think will stack up long-term to be an elite player at a very, very high level for us. Um, and, and that is not being uh, disparaging to any other boys because any one of five or six players could have been the number one pick, but for our needs and for what we wanted, we were more than comfortable to pick Andy at number one. And like you said, he has he has a potential to to really step into a, a leadership role. And you were able to take someone who had that potential pick one, but they're not that easy to find, aren't they? How how hard is it to to get someone with those leadership qualities? Oh, it's hard. But the thing about <clears throat> pick one, um, the cream comes to the top of every draft. You know, every every player that goes in that top five six, most of them have got that that. Uh, that those qualities that that you look for, but the thing about Andy that, that also set him apart from a lot of other players was his ability to play to the scoreboard. And what I mean by that was Andy's got a trait in him that when the team is down, 
he has a very common trait in all his junior footy, and even at AFL level, that he plays better when there's higher stakes. That's something that we, we, we thought was a really, really important trait for a young player to have. If the game's there to be won, game's on the line, he always steps up to the plate. And we saw that in his first game, round one, 2017, the comeback game, 80-odd thousand, his first experience of anything like that. He comes out and gets 22 possessions, 82% efficiency. Did that make you smile? Was that like a, I guess, a bit of a proud dad moment for you? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. And look, we could, he could go back to the half-back flank, play in the back pocket, play on the most dangerous smalls and be an All-Australian small defender. But there's no doubt in my mind that he could be an All-Australian midfielder. Um, he's got that adaptability uh, but, you know, you'd like to have a couple of them because I also think he'd be a great crumbing forward as well. But, yeah, he's, he's just a special player and a special person. Yeah, well, just on him as, as a person, I mean, I've, I've had some dealings with him as well through the digital team and he's been nothing but um, just very caring and professional. And I read a story uh, when he was at Brighton Grammar that he just wanted to be involved in anything and he, he was part of the choir even though he was probably the worst singer there. Does that... Are these qualities like something that you admire in him? Yeah, absolutely. But when you meet his parents, you can understand why he's had such a, a humble upbringing. Like, you know, he might be the kid from, from Brighton Grammar, but he certainly is a young man that's got humility. He's a very caring young, young man. He's extremely loyal uh, and he's intelligent. You know? and, and he's also got the, the added benefit of being a really good athlete. Like, he could have played a number of different sports. I've got no doubt because he's got the aptitude to adapt to a lot of different situations. Uh, his brother has got elite soccer um, traits, uh, young Noah, and I've got no doubt Noah could play AFL football one day. So um, that's just the family and, you know, they're, they're great people. Um, the way they raise their, their, their children has been absolutely brilliant. And the benefit is is that we get that in our football club for forever and ever and ever, and these are the sort of people that that um, that bind your club and create your culture going forward, and that's why it's important to pick people like Andy because the, the club will be in good hands. One thing about Andy, you know that once his football career is finished, he's still going to be an Essendon person. You know, I can see him being a board member one day, or he'll, you know, he'll always be an Essendon person forever and a day. You know, he'll have the legacy of a of a Terry Danaher, of a Simon Madden. Um, that's just the person he is, the same as what Zach Merritt has got, the same as what Dyson Heppel has got. He's got those same uh, inner traits that you want in your people, and that's pretty special. It's a big compliment too. Were you a little bit surprised at the time, uh, the, the reaction in Canada when he was taken at pick one? Obviously, they're probably not that clued up on AFL over there, but there was an article or a few articles saying that he'd be the Bombers' saviour. Did that, did that make you laugh? <laughs> Oh, there was a fair bit of uh, commentary, but, you know, it, look, anything that's – look, Sheeds would have loved it. Just imagine if Sheeds was coach at the time. He would have milked it for every single thing possible. He would have been on a plane over there um, doing everything possible to whip up another marquee game in Canada. Um, we're probably thinking of it as we speak. But, um, uh, look, it, look, it's great. It, it, it's great and hopefully that, you know, we can um, – you know, the club and – and I know that Xavier's got plans to spread – the wings of the club going forward once we get over this current issue that we've got in the world that, you know, there's plans to get the Essendon Football Club hopefully to the States playing games. You never know. They might just, on the way home, just stop by Canada and play a bit of an exhibition game there. You never know. The, the McGrath Cup. 
well, it sounds like a pretty good idea. And if the reaction from the US fans from the season opener is anything to go by, I think I think we could have a bit of a market on our hands there. Yeah, and it wasn't that fantastic to see. And I hope Jake uh, Stringer sent his jumper, an autograph signed jumper, uh, over there because uh, we certainly got some great publicity last week. Yeah, I've been told it's it's on the way. It's in transit. So hopefully Pat will get his Guernsey soon. Um, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about this uh, first draft you were involved in, the 98 rookie draft. And today we're speaking about the 2016 draft. How much has it changed since then, the landscape? Oh, you can't compare. You can't compare the two. Um, in my first draft of the club, as I said, I walked in the door and there was an empty office and there was no manual on how to be an AFL recruiter. It was, you know... You know it was totally different. There was, you know, you didn't have the information or the technology that we've got today. And if there's one thing that I'm really proud of is that the person that takes over from me one day will have infrastructure, will have analytic systems set up, great support networks around them, processes, a list management strategy, a list management team. Um, and the sophistication of what we do now compared to what we did back then is totally different. Um, but that's also because of technology. It's also because of, you know, the AFL's input into how they, they set up their, you know, their, their recruiting hubs and the information that you get. But also in terms of resources, the resources that we have now compared to what we had back in 98 is just chalk and cheese. You know, we've got full-time staff. When I first started, I was the recruiting and welfare manager. Now I'm the list manager and Rob Force tonight is the recruiting manager, ably assisted by... You know, people like Noel Judkins, who's still one of our recruiters, and Tony Alshaw and, you know, Merv Kane up until last year, um, you know, and a whole host of people like Bruce Evans in South Australia and um, Ian White um, over in uh, in Western Australia and, and others that, that that I've, you know, probably, probably missed as well. So we've got a, a, a huge team of people um, and hopefully, and I really hope from the bottom of my heart that, Hope that once we get over this uh, this current issue with uh, the coronavirus, that the AFL as a as an industry gets back on uh, back on deck, and all these people can come back to finishing the job off that we started together as a team, because uh, it's certainly challenging times for everyone. Yeah, challenging times indeed. But how how are you approaching that at the moment, you and your team? Like, what what can you do, and what sort of had to be put on hold? A lot of things have had to be put on hold. Obviously, um, there's an uncertain uh, future ahead. But having said that, uh, I've I've got to uh, still think of what's in the best interest of the club moving forward. So I can assure every resident supporter that we're not taking our eye off the future. We're certainly keeping in close dialogue with the AFL and awaiting for decisions to be made. I know that Xavier is leading our club magnificently at this, this point in time. He's done a, an unbelievable job and... Um, I know that his leadership and the leadership of our board will ensure that we are going to see this through. We're going to come out bigger and stronger. Uh, and if there is changes to list sizes and to salary caps and to, to all these sort of things that we don't know at the present time, that we're going to work our absolute backsides off. We've been there before through the Asada issue and we're going to come out even stronger this time, you know, because um, we have to and we will. Well, some reassuring words to leave the Bomber faithful with. Adrian, it's been a pleasure to chat to you um, over this series and let's hope that we can catch up again in the, the near future as the, the next draft approaches. 
Thanks, Jules. You've done a great job yourself, mate. Thanks, Adrian. Take care.